0: I'm the Failing Youth Pastor, and welcome to the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. Well, welcome one, welcome all to the sixth episode of the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. I did away with the whole introduction thing, kind of telling you what the podcast is going to be about because I just reintroduce it. So I decided to scrap that and we're just going to do this weird intro thing where I jibber jabber on (laughs) for a little bit of time. Um, I actually just got a request to play PUBG mobile with somebody, uh, a ministry friend of mine, and I'm actually skipping that to do this podcast. So you should be blessed that I'm here talking to you. Of course, I am the Failing Youth Pastor. Welcome to the podcast. Glad that you are listening and that you are here joining me whenever you're listening to this. So today's main topic that we're going to be talking about is dealing with leaders who do the bare minimum. What do you do with a leader who is either apathetic, a leader that just, they don't seem like their heart is in youth ministry. They're not really giving it They're all? What do you do with leaders like that? And I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to set clear standards for your leaders. They have to know what you expect of them, and then they need to be able to express what they're willing to do. And so one of the things that I've learned, when you come into a ministry that has already been established, that already has leaders, it's important to Kind of get the the lay of the land, if you will, to get to know the leaders that you're going to have because these people are essential for you to do ministry. If you have over 20 students. In your youth ministry, you need leaders. You need people, other adults who are going to be there, who are going to love these kids, who are going to minister to these kids, who are going to be there for these kids. And so when you come into a new ministry, you have to get to know the people that you're, you're talking to, the people that you're working with, rather. You have to know the people that are your, your boots on the ground, volunteers, and you have to set those expectations they're used to expectations that they had in the past. You need to set those new expectations. But even if you've been at a church for a long time, it's easy to just assume that your leaders know what your standards are, that they know what you are expecting of them. And they just, it's easy to assume that they know. They may not know. That apathetic or bare minimum leader that you have in your youth group may just be unaware of what the expectation is. So you have to set clear, concise standards for your leaders. They have to know what they're getting into and you have to let them know what your standards are for volunteering and participating in your ministry. The second thing is that if the bare minimum isn't sufficient, then you need to change the bare minimum. Here's what I mean. A lot of times, and I understand this because I understand what it's like pulling teeth to try to find leaders. We set the bar so low for our leaders because we can't seem to get qualified people to help volunteer in our ministry. And so the, the bare minimum isn't actually helping the ministry all that much. Having an adult show up as just a quote-unquote chaperone doesn't actually benefit your ministry all that much. Now, is there a role that chaperones play? Of course. If you're doing a big event, you need lots of eyeballs to be on the lookout for stuff that may go on. Adults like that. Parents like that. Parents like to know that there's other adults who are going to be keeping an eye on their children. But when it comes to ministry, you don't need a chaperone. You need somebody who is going to love these kids radically. You need somebody who is going to minister to these kids, who are going to be a shoulder for these kids to cry on, who a, a person that is going to be trustworthy, trustworthy, Uh, in in the eyes of these students, that they will be willing to step outside of, of their friendship circle and reach out to that adult. And so if the bare minimum is not helping your ministry, if the bare minimum is not sufficient, you need to change that bare minimum. You need to change that standard. The third thing is leaders need to be equipped. It's not enough it's not enough just to have the leader. That's the first step. Recruiting is a huge part of youth ministry because you, you need people. Let's be honest. You need other people on your team to do effective ministry. But that's just the starting point. You need to equip your leaders. You need to be sending them articles. You need to be in, in contact with them. They need to know what your plans are. You need to know and understand what's going on in the youth group, the things that they need. And maybe that's something as simple as sending an email of, of like a video training. Maybe it's an article. Maybe it's a quarterly meeting or a monthly meeting. If you have leaders that are able to do that, you have to find ways that you can equip your leaders and you have to be able to oversee them. You have to have some follow-up. You need to understand their weaknesses and be able to help them to be better leaders, to be more effective volunteers. One of the things that I have been working on with our leaders is the idea of reaching out to students beyond Wednesdays and Sundays. Wednesdays and Sundays are typically when the, that natural contact point happens for obvious reasons. On Wednesdays, the student comes to youth group and that's the natural contact point. On Sundays, students come to church and that's a natural contact point. Now, of course, we have students who come to youth group that aren't coming to church, but for uh, for the general group, those are the two natural points of contact that leaders are gonna have with students. What I've encouraged is for them to have contact one way or another whether it be through text through most students don't phone you know call people anymore uh, which has been a hurdle for our leaders to get over because we have a an older group of leaders which i think is awesome personally but they're uncomfortable texting students right that's To them, that's weird. That's a weird form of communication. But that's how students communicate. They communicate through text, through Snapchat, through Instagram message. That's just, that's how it goes. And so I've been pushing our leaders, hey, we need to make contact more than just Wednesdays and Sundays. We need to be invested in these students' lives more than just on the on the Wednesdays and the Sundays. And so I've been encouraging them as they get to know their small group of students to reach out more often. Figure out when they have ball games, figure out when they have musical perform- performances, figure out when uh, they have something special going on that they're participating in and be there for it. But on top of that, those students need to know that they can come to you with things. And the only way they're going to know that is if you go to them. And so I've encouraged my leaders to step out and be like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to do that awkward thing to you of texting a student, which seems weird to you, but to them, that's natural. That's that's normal. That's comfortable for them. And they're going to see that as, oh, I can relate to this leader. I can relate to John. Because he's texting me. Now, of course, it, th- there are some, some boundaries that we establish. Like, it's a lot better to interact with uh, a couple of different students at the same time. Um, don't delete any of those messages, all that stuff. But to have that contact point outside of just Wednesday night and Sunday night is huge. And I've been working with my leaders to get them out of their comfort zone in that area. And it's been a challenge. I'll admit it. It's It's been a challenge. But it's something that I see as a need. And I'm going to continue to equip my leaders to be able to do that. And so your bare minimum leader might feel unequipped. They might feel like, wow, I'm out here. And I'm kind of I'm just hanging out. I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to how to do all of, of this. You need to equip that leader. When all of those things have been met, when you've analyzed those things, when you've checked to make sure that you've set clear standards, when you have uh, checked to see if the bare minimum isn't actually sufficient for your ministry, and if you've equipped your leaders and they're not really receptive to that, if they're not really responding. that sometimes you have to just be brutally honest with them. One of the most difficult aspects of ministry is when you have to let a volunteer go. And the reason why it's so difficult is because they're not paid to be there. I remember an episode of Seinfeld where Uh, Kramer is working at this office and he's putting together reports and stuff and the boss calls him into his office and he's like, yeah, we're going to have to let you go. And Kramer's like, well, I don't even work here. And he goes, yeah, that's the awkward part of all of this. We still need to let you go. We need you to be out of this building. That scene sticks out in my mind Uh, because it's, it's so weird, but it highlights what you have to do as a ministry leader when you have to tell a volunteer, sorry, but you are actually hampering the ministry here. I understand that you are giving up a Wednesday night to be here, but you're actually not helping the ministry by being here. And if they haven't responded to any of your critiques if they haven't responded to the equipping that you've been doing if they're not meeting that 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 bar that standard that you have set then you have to have that tough conversation you need to sit them down and say this is what I've seen this is what I've tried to do and at, at this point we're going to need to move on now that doesn't mean you're shutting the door on that person forever and in fact I would argue that your ministry with them is actually just starting at that point, right? Your ministry hasn't taken its last step with them. It's just taken a different step. And so the door isn't closed to them ever coming back to youth ministry. The door isn't closed for them to to still participate in the, the life of the church. Maybe it's on you to find a place for them to serve, where they'll be passionate about it, where they'll want to, to serve, where they'll want to be more involved. Maybe it's a ministry that's on their heart that they want to start. And youth ministry was just like the closest thing to it or something like that. So your relationship with them doesn't end there, but that is a really, really tough situation. That's a tough conversation to have. And I've been there. I've done that. I've got the t-shirt and the wounds. to to show you uh, how difficult that can be. But the ministry comes first. You are an overseer of the youth ministry, and you have to take steps to make that the best, most godly, biblically-based ministry that you can. And if a leader just isn't living up to those standards, then it's time to, to let them go. It's time to let him go, even from a volunteer position. And I laugh and chuckle at that because I'm just reminded of Kramer getting fired from a job that he never had. And yeah, that's, that's just crazy. But the last thing that I want to, to share, and it could have been the first thing, but I want, it, I want it to be the last thing. Because I want this to stick in your mind. You need to pray and be thankful for the leaders that you have, even the ones who aren't meeting the standard that you have in your mind. You need to be praying for them regularly. It's important for them to know that you have their back. That's important. It's important for them to, to know that, to see that. But it's also important for you to actually have their back and to be a warrior for them and to fight for them and to pray for them. And so pray for those leaders and be thankful for them. Listen, you can't do effective ministry without those leaders. So be thankful. Even with the most difficult of leader, we should be thankful. And I know that's difficult to say sometimes. That's difficult to believe sometimes. I've struggled with believing that with some of the leaders that I've had in the past. But without them, there is no youth ministry. Without effective leaders, there's no effective ministry. It's not just about you. You can't do it all on your own. You need them. So be thankful that you have people that are willing to come alongside of you. Pray for them. Be thankful for them. Encourage them. Love them. Walk with them. Minister to them. Disciple them. Equip them. Those are all things that you are to be doing for your leaders, even the ones who aren't living up to those standards that you have right now. Because when you start equipping them, maybe they do. And when you start praying for them, maybe God works on their hearts a little bit. And maybe God works on your heart a little bit too, to show you how you can better equip them, how you can better equip. Um, you know, encourage them to be better leaders. And when you're thankful, your attitude towards them changes. When you have a thankful attitude, your your attitude towards that leader who maybe rubs you a little bit the wrong way or who just isn't meeting your standards, you become more joyful when you interact with them and you see them in a much different light. So now that I've given you everything that you need to know about dealing with stubborn, bare minimum leaders, it's time for a couple listener questions of the day. And our first question comes from at Alex Bailing. And he says this, advice needed. My pastor, whom I adore, sat me down recently and told me that our youth group attracts too many females and too many weirdos and that you can't build a youth group off of them but they need the gospel too so how do i handle this in a gospel-centered way so you probably heard me chuckle a little bit because this question totally totally took me off off guard. I, I responded to him on Twitter. I said, holy smokes, I may need to take this one up on the podcast for sure. And uh, I'm taking it up. But to be, to be honest with you, I, I wish that I had a better answer for you, Alex. I, I wish that I could say, oh yeah, I know exactly what the, this, your senior pastor was was talking about. But honestly, I have no earthly idea what your senior pastor is talking about. In my experience, when you attract females to your youth group, the boys want to come to the youth group, you know, cause boys tend to be attracted to females. Just as a general rule, they, they tend to really like being around females. And so I would think that that would be a, a good thing. If you're attracting uh, girls, boys will boys will show up eventually but i think this this pastor that you're 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 thinking of when he says and and i I could be completely wrong but when he says females and weirdos in his mind those two groups of people aren't actually leaders in your youth group in in the sense of like student leaders right the the weirdo quote-unquote who plays dungeons and dragons isn't going to be a leader, isn't someone that people are going to look up to. Rather, it's the basketball star that people are going to look up to. It's the athlete that people are going to look up to. It's the great musician that people are going to look up to. It's people who students who can play an instrument in the youth band that are going to be great assets for you. The problem, I think, is that this pastor seems to view those students as assets. Instead of people. And so here's what I would do. I can tell just from your tweet here that you were very maybe caught off guard from that comment. That you were maybe shocked by it. Because you you go out of your way to mention that you adore this pastor. But you were really taken aback by this comment. I would go to him with it and say, look, pastor so-and-so. When you said this, I, I can't wrap my mind around what you meant. Could you maybe flesh this out a little bit more for me? Could you expound on this a little bit more? The reason I say that is because it very well could have been a throwaway statement for him. If you're working at a church where the pastor is in meetings all the time and I've experienced this, you have these kind of th- throwaway statements, I would like to call them. They're almost like they're it's like filling filling time right? He doesn't really mean it, but he, he said it. And you might have keyed in on that because you're like, whoa, wait a second. This seems kind of weird, but he may not have even thought about it. So I don't know your pastor. And so I would go to him, go to him with this concern that you have. Say, look, you said this. Um, I may have a little bit of a different view than you do on, on this. Can you, can you help me out? That would be my best advice. You have to go to him with it. That might not be a comfortable conversation to have, but I think that at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. Because honestly, if he actually meant what he said here, that's a tough person to work under, right? That's a tough pastor to work under. That you have too many females and weirdos um, and you can't build a youth group off of them. That just seems odd to me. That seems strange to me. And I think you're going to need clarity and it's going to stick with you until you get that clarity. It's going to bug you until you, until you actually address it. So that's, that would be my encouragement. Look, I I know that's not an easy answer to hear. And that's probably not the answer you wanted to hear. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know, but you got to go to him, Alex. That that's just it. When you, have an, a, when you have a disagreement with your pastor or with an elder, you got to go to him. You, you have to just tell it to them how it is, and, and not in a disrespectful way, but you can do this in, in a clarifying way, right? You can go to him and say, look, I, you said this. I'm interpreting you say that we have these kids who are responding to the gospel, but they're not important. Can you help me? understand what you were saying here and maybe that'll give you clarity and maybe he'll just say oh man i misspoke then that wasn't what i was meaning to say that wasn't my intention at all and then you're like okay great you move forward if he expounds on it and the answer is even worse well then you're going to have some even more difficult decisions to make i think at that point question of the day number two comes from kendra bounds on twitter at youthgirl 08 and she asked this question what is the craziest thing that happened to you in ministry just curious i i could probably share a number of stories but one story that sticks out in my mind is one year we were doing a 30-hour famine and we decided to raise money for homeless people that we were going to sleep outside in cardboard boxes on a cold November evening. And we were going to have a like a bonfire type thing in, a, in an old trash can. And then we were going to just sleep outside in our little cardboard boxes uh, in in the parking lot. And we, we did that and we made sure the city knew that we were doing it well at like two in the morning, a police officer rolls up and is flashing his light in one of the boxes. And one of our female students is like wakes up in a panic and because there's this flashlight, you know, pointing at her and she kind of, she starts freaking out and she ends up peeing her pants. So that was probably, and she didn't have a pair, you know, any other pants or anything like that. So that was probably one of the craziest stories. We had to figure out how we were going to make it through the rest of the evening with a young lady who, who Peter pants. So there, there you go. Um, That's probably one of the, the craziest stories. We ended up calling the, the pastor of the church and his wife brought over a pair of pants for her to to use, and so she went inside and she changed and everything. and And the the police officer apologized, and and I said, "Well, we passed it through the city, and so you know we were we were assured that you guys knew that we were out here." And he said, "Yeah, we have bad communication," and that was it. And then he drove away, and I felt really bad about that. But uh, yeah, so that was probably. The, the craziest, one of the craziest stories that I have from youth ministry. So I, I won't talk about the, um, the, the water balloon full of urine at this point, but that ranks up there too. Hey, look, you made it to the end of the episode. If you'd like to send your feedback, you can reach me on Twitter at FailingYouthPTR or through email FailingYouthPastor at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and hope to catch you on the next episode.